Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, in part four of our six-part Remembering Gilles de Ferran series. Trying to weave through folks who knew Gilles, had amazing relationships with him, or were deeply affected by him. Started off with the great Scott Dixon, moved on to Zach Brown, just spent a good while with Simone Paginot, then wanted to speak with someone who was his counterpart, his shadow, his mirror, for all of his greatest achievements in racing. That being his race engineer at Team Penske from the moment Gilles arrived in 2000 to when he retired at the end of 2003. He and Tom in that span, in that very amazing four-year span, won two CART IndyCar Series championships, the Indianapolis 500, and set the all-time, as yet to be broken and doubt it ever will, closed course qualifying lap record, Fontana 2001 at 241.428 miles per hour. All of those things achieved by Gilles with Tom German, the timing stand. So knowing Gilles' reputation as the thinker, the engineer, the trained engineer, a person who did more than just turn the steering wheel and step on the pedals and shift the gears, but was really a partner in vehicular solutions, development, improvements, wanted to speak with Tom to bring that side of what made Gilles so special to you, because nobody got to see that better in terms of achievement and success than Tom German. Our show, as always, is brought to you by FAF Technologies, next-generation composite engineering and manufacturing capabilities in the outskirts of Toronto, Canada. The Justice Brothers, makers of premium automotive chemicals and lubricants, and torontomotorsports.com, purveyors of wonderful motorsports memorabilia. So let's get going with Tom. Really hope you enjoy this conversation, which veers a little bit more technical, but also some deep, deep insights about his dear Brazilian friend, two of them peak achievements in their career. Tom German, you and Gilles de Ferran combined to make one of motor racings, not just IndyCar racing, but motor racing's most devastatingly effective duos with him joining team Penske in 2000 through the end of his time uh, until he came back later years as a team owner and sports car driver, but for the entirety of his time at team Penske of which the two of you produced two cart championships. Holy cow. That amazing qualifying record, which still stands and hey, he also went to Victory Lane at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, when I think of Gilles, someone, Tom, who so often spoken of as the, the engineering driver, the driver slash engineer, and knowing how you are among the engineering greats, two of you always stood out to me as just two peas in a pod. Tell me about meeting this guy for the first time. Tom, and what was that like? Did you see a kindred technical soul immediately? Well, I think, you know, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity to, uh, to, to talk about Jill. Uh, he was a good friend of mine for many, many years and, uh, we had some, some great times together, but you know, the first time I met him was actually, 
at the Fort Lauderdale airport, um, Mr. Penske came to me and said, you know, we're going to hire Jill and, you know, I want you to go down and talk to him and see how you guys will work together. And, you know, and, and typical Penske fashion, I think it was a day's head notice, you know, a day up one day, maybe before I flew down there and I flew down to Fort Lauderdale to meet him in his home. And he picked me up at the airport and we started talking from there. And I think for those of you people that have known Jill or certainly his reputation um, is, is pretty accurate. He's super technical and loves to talk about the race car and situations and hypothetical situations. So um, I think one of the very first questions he asked me was, uh, you know, you're a young guy. How are you going to handle it when there's five minutes left in qualifying and, you got to make the right decision and you, your last run and you're going to, are you going to be able to get the pole or, you know, what's going to happen? How are you going to be able to handle that pressure? And, uh, fortunately for me, the previous year I was working with Scott Pruitt and we had gotten the Detroit pole mm. and Jill was second. <laughs> so, so in that particular situation, I had a good response. I'd say, well, I probably handled it much like I did last year when we were on the pole. <laughs> and I know Jill, he probably loved that because it involved a little dig and he was someone who loved a little bit of verbal jousting. Yeah. He, uh, so, I mean, I think from the start there, we uh, recognize each other as, as people that, um, you know, saw things the same and saw things differently, but were open to talking about it with each other and, and figuring it out. So, um, you know, it was, it was a really nice day down there in Fort Lauderdale. He took me to his home. We had some lunch, spent some time talking about race cars and life and all kinds of stuff, which really looking back on it now is kind of a precursor to what our relationship developed as over the years. So, um, a, a good experience with a guy that was, you know, very open and friendly and that translated into a, a great working relationship. Tell me about getting Gilles into the team here. I guess you as well, right? I mean, you'd been in cart for a good while, had success, but you know, Penske big organization, not just well-funded, but you know, all the resources, all the best people, all the, everything you needed to go win was there. So I'm, sure for you that was a, a welcome adjustment where you're like hey okay we really can go do some spectacular things you get deferrin coming in having demonstrated great aptitude driving for some smaller teams right Derek walkers mm -hmm. flattered for sure uh there jim hall's team before that flattered as well performing at a really high level but never had all the tools then we get to this magical 2000 2001 stretch at Penske where again most successful team in IndyCar and all the accolades that we know but it'd been through some rough years 1999 the last using their own chassis 2000 going to a, a quote off the shelf Renard which we know at that era with the rules being what they were Tom and you being centrally involved it didn't stay quote off the shelf spec for very long this seems like an amazing playground of you Gilles, this great chassis, great stonking, powerful motors as well from Honda, great tires and such. It seems like a, a perfect, perfect 
merry-go-round of fun. Tell me about working with Gilles in this, where creativity, inventiveness, technological exploration seemed like all these things were at your disposal. We look at the end product, boy, you sure made the most out of them. Those were certainly some of the funnest days in, in IndyCar racing. Um, you know, we had lots of technical freedom compared to um, the way, you know, any professional series has moved to today. Um, we were able to explore different diffs, different suspensions, different aerodynamic packages. We had lots of testing. Um, and, and Jill loved all that stuff. He loved to do the tests. He loved to try different things. He loved to, at the end of the day, throw his arms up and say, I don't know, this isn't working. We need something different. Um, so uh, it was, you know, a lot of talking, a lot of looking at data, a lot of just spending time talking through different scenarios. I continued to grow and learn as an engineer from my interactions with him, both from um, how to interpret things to some of the dynamics that are actually happening versus what you think might be happening as you're sitting in the pit lane. Um, it was really just, uh, I don't know, a wonderful experience to be quite honest, to be able to uh, explore all those different ideas. and. And, it, you know, he would always have some sort of input, always have some sort of idea, some sort of thought. And sometimes it was going down that path and exploring it and, and reaping some benefits. And other times it was dispelling that path that it was just not something that was going to work out. So um, really appreciate his ability to have an idea be completely convinced of it, do some testing, talk about the theory, work through a few things. And then if it doesn't really start to prove out, leave it and move on to, to something else. And Jill was never a guy that held on to that, that old idea that he knew must be true if we did testing and we did thorough investigation of it. And sometimes it was pure theoretical, sometimes it was on the track and you work through it and it wasn't working out like he originally thought it was going to be. It was something in the past and we moved on from there. And that's, a, I think, an underestimated talent that not everybody has. You know, it's, it's one thing to have an idea and be sure you're right. But then as evidence starts to pile up that says maybe that isn't quite what you thought it was, the ability to move on from that and keep going in a positive direction is, uh, is very powerful in racing. Tell me, Tom, what was it like from a working dynamic and working relationship with Gilles from this perspective, as a former race engineer myself, I know what it's like to have a driver who is just phenomenally skilled on the technical and engineering side who can provide great feedback, maybe even some suggestions on a direction to go a little up here, a little down there, click this, change that. There's also a pretty common dynamic in racing, which we got to be honest about where it's, Hey, I don't tell you how to drive the car. Don't tell me how to engineer the thing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is my job and I, you're an important part of it, but like, no, your boundaries, buddy. 
Uh, I I don't know of anybody who said Gilles just kind of stood back and said, oh, yes, please present the most finely engineered car for me to drive. He was in the middle of it, but that wasn't a bad thing. And, you know, Pagano told me when uh, Gilles hired him to drive for the sports his sports car team, he'd come out mm-hmm. of two years at Champ Car, young talent on the rise, thought he was doing all the right things, said he sat in on his you know first post-test engineering debrief with Gilles and he said his eyes were just as wide as saucers of like oh this is a real debrief this is different than anything I've ever known this guy's going on forever about minutiae I wasn't even aware was happening when I was in the car <laughs> tell me about that relationship because I know the two of you again you guys are two peas in the same pod but that kind of relationship as you know it's not always necessarily common in motor racing it can be you know it's uh, you know I've engineered a number of different drivers over the years and every personality is a little bit different and you know Jill's a unique individual um, and I think the ability to have those conversations um, can spill into a lot of work and a lot of, you know, sometimes it's productive work and sometimes, you know, you're, you're chasing your tail a little bit, but that ability to keep talking about it and working through it is something that he had that um, really facilitated those productive conversations. I mean, there's certainly, you know, I would be crazy to say there's never a time when I didn't feel like, I've heard enough from you today. It's time for you to go home. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we, he was good about that as well. You know, we, you get to a point and, um, there was more times than I would like to think that he would leave at the end of the evening and say, you know, just, you know, we need to do something different you know, you figure it out and uh, I'll be here in the morning. And he was gone for the night. And then when the morning came back though, you should be in a position to be able to describe what changes you've done and why you've done them in an articulated manner. And if you could do that, he was happy and he would go give it an honest try, drive the shit out of it. And, you know, you'd move on from there. You just described so, something so awesome, Tom. And I, again, I'm having flashbacks of you're sitting there listening to your driver and, you know, it's five o'clock or whatever session, last session of the day, you know, it was scheduled late or whatever, and it's five o'clock or whatever it is. And you're in that debrief and you get 10 minutes in, you're like, okay, it's good stuff. 20 minutes in, okay, it's good stuff. You get 30 <laughs> minutes in and, and, and plus, and you just start counting like, okay, so... Uh, if we stop now, we're going to be here till eight thirty, and he adds another ten minutes, and you're like, "Shit, all right, that's nine thirty. Like, so to your exact point, I love this. I can totally picture the two of you where you're like, "Okay, Deferrin, would you just shut up? It's already midnight. Yeah, you, you got me. You got us here till midnight. Trying to, would you stop, please, or else we're not going to get any sleep." But again, no, he's doing it just for the sake. It's because he wants to go destroy everybody the next day in qualifying the race. So you, again, yeah. you deal with it. But yeah. Uh, I can imagine you had that mental clock running a lot like, okay, buddy. Um, There's times it's challenging. And I mean, but you know, that it's, it makes a huge difference when you believe that when he goes back out there, he's going to make the most of it. And he demonstrated that enough times that, you know, you're, you're willing to, 
to deal with some, you know, some detail beyond what you may need to make a decision to have that conversation. Because if that's what it takes for him to get to the place where he's confident and he's feels like he has the best thing that uh, he can get and he goes out and, you know, wins the race with it or makes a pass that you didn't expect, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. Let me ask about this side, Tom. So that lap record at Fontana, you, Gilles, and some others were kind to uh, help me a year or two ago, whatever it was, for uh, a magazine feature on it. And it still stands, right? I hope it's one of those records that's never broken. Granted, Fontana, I mean, uh, with what's happening to it, it ain't. Yeah. it's not going to happen there. So we know for sure it's locked in in perpetuity there. But you just shared some really amazing insights about what it was like working with Gilles and it wasn't all just something that you guys came up with leading into the, you know, race week at Fontana. You'd been, y'all been developing the heck out of the quote Rensky, the, uh, Penske, mm-hmm. si- Penske sized Renard for a good while, but you had a, a brother in arms here. Uh, you could work with and doing that and trying this and this arrow treatment. And again, a lot of things that all led to that culmination here, uh, where that amazing, lap uh average was produced you talk a little bit about that side working with things with Gilles and you know any stories or whatever that come to mind because i know that was a, a bit of a crowning achievement uh for y'all as well amid winning the championships uh that you'd already you know been cooking up i think i was a a little bit of surprise um when we qualified that well i mean we we were expecting to do good. Um, we thought we had a good handling car. We had, we had the, uh, the balance well-tuned for when the balance needed to be right for, you know, the number of laps on the tires and the number of laps you get to warm up and all that was matched up. We felt, felt really good about, um, the downforce level was, a is always a, a, you know, a challenging conversation going and qualifying because you obviously you want to, reduce the downforce, which consequently reduces the drag and gives you a little more top speed, but obviously makes the car a little bit harder to uh, place, a little harder to handle. Um, And finding that right balance of getting the speed and being able to uh, get through the corner without scrubbing any crazy speed from having bad balance. It's, It's kind of a fine edge of kind of getting everything lined up at the same time and producing that lap. So I think we were you know, on the fence there. And, and Jill's not known as a, I mean, he's an exceptional race car driver, but he was never really known as the old guy. Um, obviously he had some great wins at Indy and he did had a great pass on Kenny Brack, um, in Germany, I believe if I remember correctly. And so going into qualifying, we weren't thinking, Oh, we're going to, you know, get a lap record and blow everybody away. But, um, as it turned out, it, that, that was the day that happened. So I think the key thing is having the driver there that also understands that, you know, that steering wheel is a brake. So every time you add a bit more lock, you're putting a little more 
drag force from the tires into the car and it just slows you down a little bit. So having the driver that's willing to explore low downforce at the same time that you're trying to make the car, um, the right level of neutral. So it doesn't scrub too much from the rear, doesn't scrub too much from the front, um, is, you know, really the art of it is getting that right at the right point in time. So having those conversations back and forth, you know, I think one thing we learned a lot together was, you know, over the number of laps you're on the tires, the balance is constantly changing and evolving, being able to break down that conversation into exactly what you need when um, was something that he was open to having the conversation about and uh, helped us optimize, really. A thing that I loved about this as well and I know we discussed it a bit when we were doing the uh, magazine feature, Tom, was Jill was many things as a driver. He was never lacking in bravery, but he also had a pretty good sense, one of the higher senses of self-preservation, right? There are some daredevils. You know, we, we love yeah. our, our guy, Paul Tracy, no problem bringing the thing back with all four corners torn off the thing. Go, yep, sorry. Uh, I saw a gap and I went, you know, like there were some drivers who, again, you knew would happily meet a wall or, you know, go out in a, a burst of flames trying to do something crazy and great, etc. Jill, again, maybe not as willing to uh, go that crazy. And yet what you guys developed and what you guys came up with uh, with this pole winning car and other things you did together. But I appreciate the trust. Like that's one of the great hallmarks of an amazing driver and engineer combination. Like you and Jill happen to be where you're trying to push into outer space here. Okay. We're trying to do some big things. I know there was a bit of a surprise, the number that popped up at the end of that run, but you guys are still trying to do some big, you know, possibly scary things. He trusted you. You trusted him. And that was also a big factor that led to the achievement that you had. Uh, I know that's also uh, something that the two that you're very proud of, that the two of you had developed. Yeah, and that, that trust and that community, it, it comes from communication over time. You know, when we're pushing the limit, we're not trying to trick anybody. I'm open, he's open. We're talking about what we're trying to do we know there's a risk that you, you may step over and it, it, it may go bad, but since you've had the conversation, you're in a better place to, to trust each other with where you're at and, and time and testing and history, I think helps develop that a lot. You know, we were always trying things and testing, but always open book, you know, there's none of the go out and you tell me what it does type of conversation. This is, this is all an open book. We're working together. We're talking about it. Um, let's try this. And, and he was always, um, very honest about if he couldn't perceive something, you know, and that's, that's nothing to be embarrassed of. You know, you're doing 240 miles an hour. If you think you're going to pick up every little nuance that's happening while you're doing that, um, it's just not true. You know, there's, there's a lot going on when he's in the car and trying to place it within a couple inches at 240 miles an hour. You're not going to be able to feel every 
crack in the road. You know, you're going to have to admit when there's parts that you can't perceive and there's parts that you can perceive. And, and the engineer has to understand that the information all has some level of, you know, interpretation with it. So I think, I think the communication is the key to building that trust. And it was fortunate that we were able to do that over the years. Mm. Why don't we close on this, Tom? What did working with Gilles de Ferrin give you? What did it leave you with? I guess, obviously, the professional side, but I guess the personal side as well. Uh, I've yet to meet a person who, if they knew Gilles, really knew Gilles, were not deeply affected in some way in their life, their career, their family, something. He's one of those folks who you go, yep, that guy's uh, stamp is on a number of things in my life. What comes to mind? That's a really hard question. Um, I think some of it might be hard because it's also new to me that he's not with us anymore. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was friends with him for, uh, you know, I talked to him right before Christmas. You know, we, we, we've been friends all these years. We've been friends longer than we work together by, by a factor of what, two, three. So, um, you know, I think it's just, it's that, I think what he gave me more than anything was uh, a very close friend for a long time. You know, we talked about a lot of things to get together past, you know, after he retired from driving, um, everything from family to careers, to decisions, to situations in our, each of our respective work lives that, you know, you're trying to figure out, trying to figure out how to solve to even ideas on, you know, where's racing's headed and what we think about it. And I mean, we talked about all kinds of things for many years and, you know, he's a very close friend and, you know, if anybody I think is fortunate enough to have a friend that close for that many years, I think I'm very fortunate that I had that in Jill. Thanks once again to Tom German for spending some time with us, bring and reveal aspects and elements of Gilles' life and character that so special, so defining, at least in that chapter of his life. Get a chance, pay a visit to marshallpruittpodcast.com. More than 1,400 episodes they are cataloged for your listening enjoyment. Getting ready to post more of these remembrances here. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>